In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. When Nicholas and Tucker were in, I think it was the first and fourth grade, they were at a Catholic school in Madison, in, in just outside of Jackson, called St. Anthony. And they were having a Christmas program. And all the children, you know, they were doing all of their, their beautiful Christmas songs. And they were up on a stage, and someone had turned on the theater lights, like the big-time theater lights. For any of you who's ever done theater, you know, I mean, it is like blinding, and it is hot. And they didn't really realize this until, unfortunately, one child just <laughs> went over in a thud. So, of course, you know, the mom is running up the aisle, and the teacher and the child is fine, just got a little overheated. But as we're sitting there waiting for, you know, just things to kind of get back started again, I heard this sound, and I thought, well, maybe people are just talking in their pews. But then I realized there was a rhythm to it. And everybody got really quiet, and they realized that all the children that were sitting on the stage were saying together, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is thy fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Without prompting. Nobody had said to them, sit down and pray together. They just knew to do this together. And I, I, I don't get chill bumps. I always get chill bumps every time I think about it. So when we think about prayer and we think about the simplicity and the ease with which especially our children can pray, I'm going to say this about myself. I know I've been through different phases of my life where it's sometimes easier to pray than others. I think we all can admit that we've struggled with it at different times. You know, we feel like that there are all these different questions around it, like when and how and there's, what does it mean about intercessory prayer? And some of us may do centering prayer or use icons or light candles. I grew up, as you all know, my mother is Greek Orthodox. So anytime anything big is happening, there's a candle lit in the house, which I love. There's a woman who writes, wrote a book called Praying in Color. I don't know if you've ever seen this. And she talks about using art as an avenue into praying. We are told in Scripture to pray without ceasing. What does that mean, to pray without ceasing? I know for me that my prayers sometimes, it's like when I'm walking or, or riding a bike, that's a time for me where I find my prayers come a little bit more easily. At General Seminary, where I went to school, we had 21 services a week, three a day. I did not go to church three times a day. I love church, did not go three times a day. But I was there every single day, and it was, what, what was also wonderful about it, which we all talked about, was that the bells rang, just like your bells ring, before every single service. So even if you were in your room or you were studying or if you were in class, you heard the bells, and it was a call to prayer. Barbara Brown Taylor said once in an interview, you know, you think about Barbara Brown Taylor, one of the best preachers in the church, period, and she's written books, and you would think that she would be just sort of like the pinnacle of prayer life, and she said in an interview, I'm a failure at prayer. That when people talked about her prayer life, she tries to find a way to change the subject. 
Mother Teresa, who was very, you know, at the end of her life, struggled with her faith. She said that early in her life she would pray especially for something, but as she got older and she went deeper into her ministry, she found herself praying more for guidance and for strength to face the things ahead of her. So when we think about prayer, we think about the Lord's Prayer, when the disciples said to Jesus, teach us to pray, this familiar prayer to us. But today, we have in John what's called the high priestly prayer, a a section of it. And I don't know about y'all, but just reading it, I mean, I have to like, did you kind of feel like, okay, now that's as clear as mud. (laughs) But it's the last, one of the last words that Jesus gives to his disciples as he's gathered with them the night before his crucifixion. So we're back in that place. We're in Easter, but we're back in that place. And when, what does Jesus do when he's faced with his own, the, the, with Judas who will um, betray him, with Peter who will deny him, with all the emotions that he must have been feeling that night, to be gathered with his disciples the last night, knowing what he was going to face the next day, knowing what was ahead of him, and trying to imagine what are those last words that you want to give? What are those last words you want to impart upon someone? And what does he do? He prays for them. He prays for them because he knows that in all of this language, and it is all the very sort of um, we call high Christology of the Gospel of John, But basically what that means is what Jesus is saying to them is, because you have been a part of me, you are both of this world and not of this world. And that's going to be a really tough spot to be. He saw where that that path would lead them. That being a part of the ministry of Jesus meant that obviously their feet were going to gather dust just like everybody else's. They were going to feel hurt and pain and rejection and all of those things but they had caught a glimpse of the divine, which was going to set them against the world as well. So at the heart of this, he's saying to them, I want these things for you. I want unity, and I want joy, and I want safety, and I want protection for you because I've given you everything else that I know to give. I've told you, I've shown you, how to be a disciple of Christ. So the best gift I can give you right now is to pray for you. But isn't this what we hope for? When we think about what those sort of last conversations with the people that we love might be, what do you want to say? I mean, you can say all sorts of things, but but typically it's just, I want you to know that I love you, right? And that's what Jesus is saying. I want you to know that I love you because I'm praying for you. So whether or not prayers are easy or complicated or long or short, or if we're like in a great prayer groove, or I admit it, sometimes in the middle of prayer, I start thinking about the grocery list. You know, it happens, right? Your mind wanders. Wherever you find yourself, all that matters to Jesus is that you are making the effort to connect, just as Jesus prays for us. 
One of my favorite scriptures is in the book of Ephesians, and it says, I pray that the eyes, this is Paul talking, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. So through prayer, our eyes are enlightened to see the hope that God has for us. Not necessarily every single piece or exactly the way that we, we should go, we, we discern these things, but if we really stop and we immerse ourselves in this, we are able to catch a glimpse of the hope that God has for us. So in this process, we seek a relationship with God, and not that our challenges will go away, but rather through prayer, our challenges are transformed. That's the experience of prayer. And again, it's however you find that it works for you. And I really think that there is honesty and freedom in this. And I think Jesus really just lays that out for us today in this really beautiful way. Yes, the language is complicated, but the message is very, very simple. But Jesus is saying, I pray for you, pray for me, pray for the world. So I'll tell you all a story. Um, I would go up to the Society of the St. John the Evangelist in Boston. I, I think AJ may have, have gone there as well. And it's this beautiful place. And I, I show up one evening for worship. And well, I was going to do a retreat, and it was just about time for worship. And the person, the guest manager said, if you hurry, you'll get there in time. And so I threw my bags in my room, and I go down this hall and honestly, it's something out of like, you know, a movie or, or like a, you know, you're in a, a funny house or something. Literally every door looked exactly the same. And I'm thinking, well, how in the world am I going to know which one is the chapel? I mean, you know, expect like an arch or something. And they said, oh, no, 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 just, just go down the hallway. You'll see the door. So I opened up a door and to my horror... All of the monks were gathered together in a circle praying before the service. I mean, they had the incense going and all of that. And I'm just trying to, like, back out without anybody seeing me because, I mean, they're in the middle of their prayers. And one of the monks turned, and, I mean, they were all, like, huddled up together. And he opened up like this, and he put his arm out to me. I mean, I'm just coming in, like, you know, and he goes, come pray with us, and brought me into the circle. This is the heart of what Jesus is saying. By that act, by opening up ourselves to others, by inviting us into this messy world of prayer, Jesus is saying, you are a part of me. As I'm a part of you, you are a part of me. Pray for us. Amen.